On this week's prequel episode, we follow up on our Lorax listener polls and preview Allegiant. Hello, welcome back to This Film is Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. Sorry this prequel episode's coming to you a little bit late. We've had one heck of a week. Uh, Without getting into a lot of specific details, Katie and I both work in um, marketing, and we've had a big commercial video shoot this week that we've been, it's like 12-hour days. Mm. It's a whole thing. It's been a lot of fun, but... Early mornings, (laughs) late nights. Yes. Uh, and then, yeah, getting home and just kind of like immediately falling asleep after <laughs> eating dinner. So it's been it's been something. But uh, like I said, uh, we're 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 back on track. Uh, next week's episode might be a day or two late. We'll see. We're not sure yet. The actual Legion episode. Uh, we're still figuring that out because we haven't had time to read the book yet. So uh, we'll see. We're we're I'm planning to start it actually almost right after we finish this episode. But we uh, yeah, it may be a day or two late for the actual main episode. But then after that. We should be back uh, on track to our normal schedule. So thank you for bearing with us during these trying times. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> uh, we're going to get right into it with our patron shoutouts. I put up with you because your father and mother were our finest patrons. That's why. No new patrons this week, but we do have our Academy Award winners. And they are Vic Dangerously, Matilde, Steve from Arizona, Paul, Jeff Niederhofer, Teresa Schwartz, Ian from Wine Country, Winchester's Forever, Kelly Napier, Gray Hightower, Gratch, Just Gratch, Shelby Says Air Elemental Cycle Book 4 is out now, That Darn Skag, V Frank, and Alina Starkov. Thank you all for continuing to support us at that $15 level. We appreciate you. We love you. You're all the very best. Katie, let's see what the people had to say about the Lorax. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like... uh your opinion man all right on patreon we had four votes for the book and one for the movie shelby says air elemental cycle book four is out now said the lorax is one of those dr seuss books i missed growing up i didn't know about it until the movie was coming out and this was my first time reading it's not my favorite seuss but it's still really good the movie tried but the book is far superior the bottled air really reminded me of the plot with the moon in the first Despicable Me, a.k.a. the good Illumination movie. That's all anyone ever tells me is that yeah. that one is good. I've never seen it. Um, I've never seen any of them, like yeah. anything in that, that, I know, that like, universe of films. I know a little bit about the, like I know some of the plot points, like the general idea of what I know the first literally one is about. nothing about it. I, I, I guess like the main character is like a, an evil villain or something, but yeah. like, I don't know anything else about it. But I've heard it's good. Again, mm-hmm. everybody's like, well, you know, like the minions and stuff have become a kind of a, a punchline yeah. at this point. But everybody's like, well, that first movie is actually pretty good. So. Uh, Shelby went on to say, I'd be interested in your thoughts on that one. Um, so maybe we can put it on our, uh, it our, bonus, our episode bonus episode list. list. Um, thank you for pointing out the line about knitting when the one slur is clearly sewing. I didn't read that right. It's thank you. Okay, thank you, all caps. <laughs> <laughs> I may have located the joke they were going for. The one slur is sewing in that scene, which is a basic life skill, but he says he's knitting, which is slightly more complicated and therefore frivolous, a.k.a. girly. 
So the joke is that he thinks he's doing the more girly thing when he's actually doing the basic life skill. Haha, ha, good one, movie. I definitely solved it and am in no way overthinking a lazy continuity error. Um, I will I will preface all, everything I say in this episode by saying that I am operating on not as much sleep as I would like. My brain is not functioning great. Got a lot, again, a lot has been going on. I still don't get the, what that joke <laughs> That's why I, I, I don't think it's a joke. I, even listening to Shelby's explanation, I'm not even sure I understand what is supposed to be. The, maybe I'm also not remembering what was the line that she's saying here, like where because uh, she says uh, when he says he's knitting. What does he say when he says he's? I don't even. Yeah, remember. He says something about like knitting being manly or something like that. I oh, think. Okay. I feel so freaking long ago now yeah. that we watched that. So trying to stretch my brain back. He's knitting. Just thinks he's doing the more girly thing. Actually, I don't know. I don't know. I, either way, it doesn't. I just, yeah. I which Shelby fully says is like it doesn't really yeah. work. But it doesn't like I like no matter what track I've taken to try to figure out if it's supposed to be a joke. It's still not a good joke. Yeah, so I'm I like, I don't, I'm not sure. I can't parse where the punchline <laughs> is, but yeah. Um, Shelby's last comment here was, very excited for the Allegiant episode. Interested to see if you guys go on the same journey watching it that I did in 2016. We shall see. Our other comment on Patreon was from Matilde, uh, who said, Dr. Seuss isn't really a thing where I grew up. Maybe he's more popular in the English-speaking part of Canada, but not in Quebec. I don't think I knew Mathilde was a Quebecois. I, I, I feel don't, like I, feel I, like I know thought Mathilde was like over in Europe, I guess. I don't know. Okay. I always forget there's a bunch of French speakers over on this <laughs> continent. <You> weirdos. <laughs> um, so I have no nostalgic attachment to his stories, and it's actually the first time I sat down and really read his work. It's a cute story, obviously a good message that's well-delivered, and the artwork is the right kind of busy, the one that keeps you trying to decorticate it. But for some reason, rhyming gets on my nerves very fast, and it takes me out of the story. It's a me thing, nothing against the quality of the writing, but I can't fight that feeling. On the movie side, I'd agree that it's a decent adaptation, an okay movie, nothing more. However, the colors and texture are really appealing to me, like a candy world, and I do have a sweet tooth. I do think that's a, an apt description. Like, it is like a candy yeah. world. Yeah. I think I called it plastic, but yeah, or, or candy. Yeah, candy, like, plastic. It has a, it's very, very brightly colored, super saturated, and, like, and, and it's and got like, like a, a shiny, a shiny smooth, smoothness to it. Yeah. yeah. That like hard candy or yeah. plastic or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, Matilda went on to say, plus Danny DeVito always keeps me engaged and entertained. Objectively, the book is better, but I went with my subjective experience and I had more fun with the movie. Also because the bottled air reminded me of the Perry air cans and space balls. And that's the kind of reference that will always sway me. Ah, uh, Matilda, a space balls enjoyer. <laughs> Couldn't be me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, on Facebook, we had three votes for the book and zero for the movie. Um, Greg said, the book, so much the book, except for the grocery, grossly racist propaganda cartoons he drew during World War II, which he later came to be ashamed of and disowned. Did we discuss that? I, I think, think we, we did, discussed yeah. that in 
maybe the, like the maybe the prequel for Cat in the Hat. Yeah, maybe I think like the first time we did a Doctor yeah. Seuss thing, we did like a Doctor Seuss. Yeah, because he made some Lauren propaganda things. cartoons, which a lot of people did. Yeah. during that era. Um, yeah, I think we did talk about that. Um, Greg went on to say, "I'm hard pressed to think of anything Doctor Seuss produced that isn't a classic, and the Lorax certainly is." In my opinion, part of his genius was that his stories have a fable-like simplicity and don't lard things up with unnecessary backstory or exploration of the character's psychological motivations or that kind of thing. That is a much a very modern thing in stories. What? Really? Oh, um, like getting into the motivations. Yeah, really getting like yeah, really yeah, digging yeah, yes. into motivations and that yeah. kind of thing and lots and lots of backstory. That's very very post-postmodern. Well, and, and particularly in like more children's media yes. even because like yeah i mean obviously that we've explored the motivations of characters and but even, yeah i get yeah point yeah point taken to stretch them to the length of even a very short feature film that stuff almost inevitably gets shoved in to the detriment of the central themes and message for my money to this day the only seuss adaptation that even holds a candle to the source material is the old school animated version of how the grinch stole christmas and I think one of the reasons was that they were content just sticking to the book and making an animated short rather than trying to turn it into a full-length movie. Yeah, which is what we discussed when we did How the yeah, Grinch Stole Christmas we talked and about, why we yeah, didn't Yeah, why we do did it not include that one. Because and it literally is just It's just the text the set to animation, yeah. which is fantastic. Which is great. It's delightful, um, but it's, yeah. Not particularly interesting for what yeah. we do here. Because it, it, you nary would call I mean, it is an adaptation, but it is, you know... <laughs> Very as close to not being uh what would we would call an adaptation as something could be more as like a literal trans mm -hmm. transcription of the text to another medium, basically yeah. almost. Um, and we had another comment in a minute here that talks about the um the old animated version of the Lorax, mm -hmm. and I would put that under the same category. It's really just the text in animated form. Yeah. Our other comment on Facebook was from Crystal, who said the book. Even though I hate myself a bit for how catchy some of the songs are, that's yeah, not your fault, Crystal. Fault. Uh, the I will say that the song about um, how bad can I be was stuck in my head for like a full day after we watched that movie. I'm happy to say not a single one of those songs because it was stuck the, in just my head. the refrain was so like easy to just get mm, stuck on a mm -hmm. loop in my head, and it was driving me absolutely nuts. There. Over on Twitter, we had seven votes for the book and one for the movie. Kelly Napier said, Katie referenced her verdict for the last Dr. Seuss book you did, so I'll reference my comments on that episode as well. As I said in my reflections on How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the book, like with most of Seuss's catalog, is a perfect example of how less is more. In relatively few pages, he manages to craft a complete story and draw you into a world other than your own. That sentiment is true here again. The book tells a complete story and none of the extra stuff from the movie is needed. So it's the book. Every time. Maybe the 30-minute animated special. But that's just the book turned into motion. And this is probably the only time I'd ever vote against something with Zac Efron in it. Because he is at the top of my hall pass list. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, but yeah, that's the comment you're talking about. It's just, yes. yeah, it's just the... Yep, animated ones are basically just the book yeah. set to motion. 
I was thinking about this shortly after we recorded the Lorax episode because we talked about how Taylor Swift didn't sing in the movie. Mm-hmm. Does Zac Efron sing? I think so. A little, just I like think a little bit. Character sings. Yeah, I think so. Some, not as much as yeah. like other. Yeah, but I think he does. I'm I was thinking sure. about that too because Zac Efron can sing. Right. Yeah. He's not a singer like no. Taylor Swift is, but I yeah. mean, he is famous because of very High well musical. known because of yeah, a thing that he sang in. Yes. Uh, we didn't have any comments on Instagram, but we did have three votes for the book and two for the movie. And on Goodreads, we had one vote for the book and zero for the movie. And Miko said, I never read anything by Dr. Seuss as a kid due to the fact that none of his works have been translated into Finnish. So this is interesting because now we have two non-native mm-hmm. English speakers who yeah. said Dr. Seuss, which makes sense because Dr. Seuss is so specifically rhythmic mm-hmm. like rhyming yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like the, the the structure and style of dr seuss is rhyming uh, uh you know and rhythmic and to, and it would be tough i'm mm-hmm. sure it's doable at least to some extent but i'm sure it would be very very difficult to translate it into, into another language yeah if not impossible you hear that about like when you hear when you read um maybe even stuff that's less like specifically like rhymey or whatever um, very often things that are written in a non-English language and translated into English, it completely loses like the. You're going to lose some of the style. Yeah. Along and, the and, way. And there, I, I can't think of a specific example, but there, there's there. I know I've heard of like specific, maybe, maybe even the Quran. Are there stuff like that where in the language it's written in has a, almost like a, a, like a melodic quality mm-hmm. to the way it's read. Mm hmm. Um, whereas when translated to English, it just completely disappears. Yeah. And this would, I think, be a similar thing going, yeah. taking Dr. Seuss from English to like French or whatever. Yeah. Well, and Miko went on to say, um, and I can easily see why tampering with the whimsical oh. wordplay could very easily change the whole feel of the story. Yeah. And yeah, I, we've touched on a little bit before about the, some of the challenges with translation. Yeah. And I do agree with you that I think Dr. Seuss would be That's just a, an added like, layer particularly yeah. challenging because his style does rely a lot on meter and rhythm and yeah. rhyme. And yeah. then on top of that, he has like a very specific kind of whimsy yeah. to his style that I have to imagine would be really, really yeah. hard to translate. Yeah. And then, well, not to mention you have words that aren't, he makes up a bunch of yes. words. Yeah. So those would just have to stay the same, but then. Or they, or you would have to come up with a, some, sort a, of, some version of yeah. them that worked within but that other language. Like you said, then you completely lose. Yeah. The, it's like, okay, sure. You can translate, uh, a uh i'm trying to think of a um you translate lorax into something else but then it's like it it just feels you're gonna have to come up with something that nails yeah the way that lorax feels to us as native english speakers that also works with the rhythm that also works with the rhyme yeah just it's it seems borderline impossible. So yeah. it's actually not that surprising that it's not you know Dr. Seuss is kind no, of and just it, an yeah. English speaking. And I've, I've never thought about it, and I've never looked into like the stats on which of his books get translated into what languages. Yeah. But yeah, that's interesting. Uh, so Miko went on to say, I think the movie adaptation did something similar. Trying to expand on this story, they shifted away from the main point and, in general, made the message less poignant. The movie felt like it was mostly filler, and I have always thought that Illumination Studios' animation style feels cheap. 
Leaving the ending open and for the reader to imagine works so much better than solving the whole thing with a song and dance number. The film is fine, but I can easily see why the book is a classic. One vote for the book. There you go. Fantastic. Uh, so our unsurprisingly, unshockingly, mm, yes. our poll winner was the book with 18 votes to the movie's four. There you go. Awesome. Yeah, the, not, not remotely surprised that that no. was how that one shook down. Okay, it's time. We're almost ready to wrap up the 2023 summer series. <laughs> Next week, we're finishing it off with Allegiant. So now let's learn a little bit about the book, Allegiant. People think walls separate us. But they also protect us. It's going to be hard getting over the wall. You sure that you want to do this? Go, 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 go. Those people out there kept us in a cage for 200 years. That is not someone I want to engage with. Nothing to worry about, you're safe now. Welcome. Your arrival is the most exciting event some of us have ever known. How do they know who we are? Our surveillance technology is centuries ahead of anything you've known. They've grown up watching it. Nothing creepy about that. Allegiant is a young adult science fiction dystopian novel written by Veronica Roth and published in 2013. It is the third and final installment in the Divergent trilogy. Uh, mild spoilers. While the first two novels in the series were told exclusively from Triss's perspective, Allegiant employs both Triss and Four as first-person narrators. Wow! So we're uh, we're going with the uh, yeah, we're doing the we're doing a little Breaking Dawn, breaking dawn. here. Yeah. <laughs> um, of that decision, Roth stated, "Quote: I tried repeatedly to write Allegiant in just Triss's voice, but it didn't work." Her perspective, her way of seeing things, was a little too limited for the story I needed to tell. I wanted to do two different things with it. A, let two characters experience different things, and B, let them react differently to the same things, so that I, and eventually the reader, would get a better sense of the whole story, the whole picture. I've said before that I've always seen four, increasingly as the series goes on, as a plot mover alongside Triss, so he was the obvious choice for the second point of view, although not the only one I tried. Exploring him and his choices and his assumptions about the world was incredibly interesting to me. Hmm. So that's something to look forward yeah, to. Yeah, to see how that works. Yeah. Of the titling conventions for the series, uh, this is a little note on Wikipedia that I just thought was kind of weird and interesting. Um, Roth has stated that she did not purposefully choose titles with similar endings for all three books, which I think sounds like a lie. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, I'm going to call you out on that one, Veronica. That sounds like a lie to me. To me, I think there's a truth in it in that I bet when she came up with Divergent, that was the first one. Yeah. And then I think she liked the single word thing. And then mm -hmm. she, I, I, I think it was maybe less, what she's maybe trying to say is that it was less a conscious like decision beforehand. Yeah. And more a, this makes the most sense as I'm doing it. But you clearly 
clearly purposefully chose those like i don't know yeah it is it does feel a little like splitting his like pedantic or like a semantic distinction between like because yeah there's it's like yeah no you knew what you were doing when you gave them titles that sound similar and like it's fine like you don't yeah i don't know it's just yeah but i I can also being understand like she did she wasn't like all right i'm gonna i got this series and i got this great idea where i'm gonna title them all you know slightly different like words that sound similar <laughs> like i don't think she did you know that wasn't right. like part Probably of her didn't grand do plan, that but but yeah, <laughs> yeah um she's also stated that um she never considered a title for this book other than allegiant so okay i mean sure i i also i i in my opinion i don't think insurgent or allegiant are as good of titles as divergent no so there's also that uh, about a month ahead of Allegiance publication, Roth also released The World of Divergent, The Path to Allegiant, a, a promotional companion ebook that contained detailed descriptions of the factions and their origins, inspirations for the trilogy, a faction quiz. There's a real faction quiz apparently. we could have taken. Oh, no. Um, a, a Q&A from Roth, as well as teasers for Allegiant. Wow. Yeah. We could have had all of our answers. I, I guess answered in uh with the with that probably the promotional companion ebook yeah I, that i really have no care to read <laughs> um <laughs> uh, legion won the 2013 goodreads choice award for best sci-fi fantasy as well as the 2014 <laughs> children's choice book award for teen book of the year i don't know what else came out in 2013 but i feel very confident in saying it's impossible that this was the best sci-fi fantasy no and i i, I know it's the goodreads choice awards. yeah I get it's, it. I it's just, all voted for right and it's it's like you know it's like what what wins um, at the mtv you know movie awards or whatever i get it it's just you know another thing that i'm pretty sure came out in 2013 but I guess it would have been a different category. I'm pretty sure Dr. Sleep came out in 2013. But I guess that probably would have been under horror. Maybe, probably under horror. Although I, I think imagine. you could easily argue it for sci-fi. Sci-fi fantasy. Sci-fi well, fantasy yeah. But, yeah, but it was probably under horror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Among uh, probably tons of other fantasy. Yes, I'm, I'm sure. Um, in a review for Entertainment Weekly, Hilary Busis gave the novel a B plus and wrote, quote, if you've already been sucked into Roth's world, you'll appreciate the book's twisty plot, which provides needed context for the series prefabricated society and its chastely torrid Tris Tobias love scenes. Chastely torrid is uh, I love that. A, I, I wow. adore it. Yeah. And Publishers Weekly said in its review, quote, the alternating perspectives are bothersome at times due to the similarity between Tris and Tobias's first person narratives. Uh, Not at all surprised no, to hear that no. uh, Veronica Roth had trouble differentiating yeah. their voices. Um, however, for those who have faithfully followed these five factions and especially the dauntless duo who stole hearts two books ago, this final installment will capture and hold attention until the divisive final battle has been waged. Great. 
Uh, <laughs> You're very excited. I can see. No, I actually am interested <laughs> to see how this all wraps up. I'm just, I, yeah, no, I am. I really am interested to see how the book ends because I just, I, I don't, because uh, I have no clue where yeah. it's going. So I am intrigued to see where it goes. But yeah. All right. Let's learn a little bit now about Allegiant, the film. Tobias Eaton, you've been assigned to me. It's a lot of firepower. It'll take you a while to get the hang of it. I think I got the hang of it. In 200 years, the greatest scientific minds have lived here to test a theory. If we could rescue people from a toxic environment and put them in a safe place like Chicago, perhaps they would heal it. And I'm one of those people. You're the only one. Is it worth sustaining this population that's determined to destroy themselves? What's going on here? They're shutting us down. Chicago will be erased. Everyone we know will die. You were right all along. We have to leave right now. Where are we going? Home. Allegiant is a 2016 film directed by Robert Schwentke, who did Insurgent, the last installment in the series, Red, R.I.P.D., Flight Plan, and Snake Eyes, among others. It was written by Noah Oppenheim, who did Jackie and the Maze Runner. Hmm. So he's uh, been in the... Carving out a little niche for himself there. Uh, Although two very different films there between Jackie is the Natalie Portman, Jackie O, Uh, like biopic mm -hmm. or whatever Mm -hmm. from a few years ago. So he's literally written three things. It was Allegiant, the Maze Runner, and Jackie. It's like, Hmm. all right. Or at least that's what those are three credits on IMDb. Uh, Adam Cooper, uh, oh, sorry, also written by Adam Cooper, who did the Assassin's Creed movie, Exodus Gods and Kings, and Bill Collage, who also did Exodus Gods and Kings and the Assassin's Creed movie, as well as Accepted, uh, which is a, uh, a stupid comedy movie from 2004 that I'm sure has aged poorly, but I was a big fan of when it came out. It's got a uh, Justin Long and it's about mm. they like create their own public or like their own like community college, I think. Basically. Oh, I think I have seen that. Yeah. I remember liking it when yeah. it came out. I'm sure it has aged horribly. Um, 2004. Early un- 2000 undoubtedly, comedies. <laughs> undoubtedly it has have, aged yeah. poorly. Yeah. Uh, the film stars Shailene Woodley, Theo James, Jeff Daniels, a newcomer, Miles Teller, Ansel Elgort, Zoe Kravitz, Maggie Q, Ray Stevenson, Daniel Day Kim, Bill Skarsgård. Octavia Spencer and Naomi Watts. So the two newcomers there, Bill Skarsgård and Jeff Daniels. The film has an 11% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 33% on Metacritic, and a 5.7 out of 10 on IMDb. And I forgot to compare that. Let me pull back up real quick the scores for the previous uh, two because I always like to compare how uh you know how the mm-hmm. how the series fared as it went on but i forgot to add that in here so let me just go find my old notes okay so insurgent had a 28% on rotten tomatoes and divergent had a 41% on rotten tomatoes so, so we've dropped from a 41 to a 28 to an 11 almost halving it every yes. time <laughs> or more than halving it the second or yeah. from 2 to 3 yeah um this one had a 33 on metacritic uh insurgent had a 42 on Metacritic and Divergent had a 48 on Metacritic. So down almost 10 points each time. And then uh, this one had a 5.7 on IMDb. Insurgent had a 6.2 and Divergent had a 6.6. So again, every single, every single one of these, every single movie has decreased in a a much deeper drop off from Insurgent to this one than from from Divergent to Insurgent. Excellent. Yes. (laughs) 
The film made $179 million against a budget of $140 million, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit, which is not great. Yeah. Uh, the film, so, was originally planned as a single film, but the producers eventually decided that they wanted to split the novel into two films in the following in the wake of The Hunger Games, Harry Potter, and Twilight. Obviously, those are the big three that came before this that all split their final film into two parts, or their final book into two films. Mm -hmm. uh, and for this, they chose the names Allegiant and Ascendant for the two films. Uh, was there, Well, originally, it was going to just be Allegiant Part 1, Allegiant Part 2, but then they decided to go Allegiant and Ascendant um, for the Part 2. Ascendant, uh, the... <laughs> The, the ill-fated part two was originally set to be released in March of 2017, but then it was pushed back to June of 2017 with Lee Toland Krieger taking over to direct after Schwentke backed out. Lee uh, Toland Krieger is known for The Vicious Kind, Celeste and Jesse Forever, as well as Riverdale and You. Uh, just director on those things. Mm -hmm. uh, then, after box office returns came out for Allegiant, and they were not what the studio hoped for, as I mentioned... Plans were made to instead wrap the story up as a TV series or TV film, depending on when you're looking at the uh, both things, it would appear. So in July 2016, after Allegiant underperformed, Lionsgate, uh, Lionsgate announced that Allegiant or sorry, Ascendant would instead become a TV film that would serve as a way to launch a spinoff TV series that would go beyond the books. Then, in September of 2016, Woodley, during an interview, said that no decision had been finalized, but that it was very unlikely that she would reprise her role if it was a TV show. In February of 2017, the TV project was announced, with Woodley backing out of her starring role. In August 2017, stars and uh, stars like the network stars and Lionsgate announced that they were developing the TV series with uh, aforementioned director Lee Toland Krieger and writer Adam Kozid, who uh, did Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit and the movie The Legend of Tarzan, attached to the project. Then, in December of 2018, stars announced that there were no longer plans to develop the series, citing, quote, lack of interest from the cast and network <laughs> executives, end quote. And then I found this other quote here from a, an interview with Screen Rant. Uh, one by one, the lead actors all expressed their lack of interest in moving Divergent to television, with Woodley, who had always been passionate about playing Triss, delivering the death knell, saying, quote, I didn't sign up to be in a television show, end quote. So ultimately, the series would go out not with a bang, but with a whimper. Allegiant was nominated for two Razzies, uh, one for Naomi Watts and one for Shailene Woodley, both for Worst Actress. Uh, people who listen to the show know the Razzies, my opinion on the Razzies, they're stupid, they're dumb. They never do a good job of actually nominating <laughs> bad things. Yeah. Uh, Shailene Woodley has been fine in all these movies. I would find it hard to believe that her performance in this one it's like, yeah, I mean, maybe she really phoned it in. Maybe I don't she know. really phoned it in. I who but. knows? I do have some quotes later uh, that maybe indicate that that may have been there may have been some growing disillusionment with the cast. Um, <laughs> but so who knows? Yeah, maybe she phoned it in. Um, but anyways, uh, this was a fun fact that I found. Kate Winslet was apparently so keen to return in any capacity whether it be a flashback or simulation, that she got her agents to contact the producers and give them her availability. <laughs> However, the producers were like, nah, uh, because they, they didn't think with the, the uh -huh. storyline and stuff, they just didn't think it made sense to bring her back. But she wanted to come back. Interesting. And then getting into some reviews. Writing for IGN, Max Nicholson uh, gave Allegiant 4 out of 10, uh, gave a, a score of 4 out of 10, stating, quote, Allegiant is a prime example of everything that's wrong with modern YA sequels. 
Instead of embracing or building upon its core themes and constructs, it tears them all down with a wrecking ball of CGI and nonsensical storytelling, end quote. And then Peter Travers of the Rolling Stone, not the, of Rolling Stone, gave the film one out of four stars, stating, quote, the Divergent series Allegiant is another one of those cynical Hollywood cash grabs that takes the third book in best-selling Juvie Lit trilogy, see Twilight and the Hunger Games, and stretches that last book into two movies so audiences are tricked into paying twice for egregiously padded piffle. <coughs> and then finally, uh, some reviews from the cast members. <laughs> uh, Shailene Woodley apparently expressed disappointment with the quality of Legion and claimed that she almost quit acting following the decline of the franchise. And then co-star Zoe Kravitz voiced similar concerns about the direction of Allegiant uh, and the direction of the series as a whole, saying, quote, I think as we went on, the story really kind of got lost and nobody really knew what we were doing anymore, <laughs> end quote. Hey, spoilers, Ugh. Zoe Kravitz. That's true for the books, it feels like, yeah. too. But uh, Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. <laughs> yep. I, I'm very interested to read the book yeah. and see if I think that it needed to, like, like even like to... even before watching yeah. the movie that they did make, yeah. like to read it because some of the examples that you gave, like I think Harry Potter needed. To I think two arguably movies. Harry Potter needed two movies. Yes. I don't know about Breaking Dawn. Breaking Dawn, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Hunger, Hunger Games, close. I feel like rides the line. Rides the line. I think you probably could argue it needed it, but also it's a like such they a... They probably could have done it in one movie. They probably could have done one. I think more so the issue with making it two, and it's been, I don't remember the break or how, where it goes. It's, yeah, you I know, don't Just either. from my memory of the book, it, it, it there's so much like denouement and like mm -hmm. the second, so much of the uh, second half of that book is like, the 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 fallout and the aftermath yeah. of like the revolution that it 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 feels like that's a tough like again it's funny because we reviewed these and did these so I I'm sure I stated my opinion this is at the time but it is one of those where it's like I can imagine it being a hard project to split into two mm -hmm. and have the second movie not all just be this weird. Like, like denouement, yeah, like, like I said, it's, yeah. yeah. And again, I, I, I don't think that is what happened. I don't remember disliking the, the yeah. two, you know, the two finale movies. But I, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. No, and I, because I, I initially I was gonna maybe do um, a learning things segment about like why this series kind of fizzled, and then mm -hmm. we, we ultimately decided just to talk about how the second movie didn't get made. Yeah, for this so kind of indicative. Um, yeah. <laughs> But I, I do think, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we talked about, um, I think in the prequel to Insurgent, about how this series really came to be because of the popularity of the Hunger Games. Right. And it was part of that, you know, whenever there's something big, it starts this trend. Right. And there was a trend of young adult dystopia yeah. at that time. And I think, you know, all trends have a shelf life. Yeah. And I think this series just kind of, overstayed that shelf life yeah it, it it was winding down after the 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 bar was already closed yeah. <laughs> like it was yeah there because because even by the final installments of the hunger games films people were kind of losing yes. interest yeah those final installments in the hunger games movies did not do as well as yeah. like the first two from yeah. my memory i think i could be and this one that. came out after the last installment of the hunger games if they had made a second movie it would have been well after yeah 
people had really, really lost interest. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I think it just overstayed its welcome. Yeah, no, I, I, I think for sure. And then it tack onto that, just a significantly weaker, mm-hmm. um, weaker source story, material, you know, and weaker yeah, world building, a sort of an aimless, just kind of, I, I was, I was doing some research for this. I saw somebody writing a review of like what happened to Divergent. Uh, kind of what you're saying and, yeah. and that was one of the points they brought up is just you know from the beginning the stories the series was always kind of aimless in yeah. a way that didn't that something like the hunger games isn't you know exactly what the hunger games is it is katniss as this revolutionary figure whether she wants to be or not mm-hmm. <laughs> to take down this v- oppressive um you know uh fascistic like night dystopian society and regime that has has taken place in the Hunger Games and and uh, bring back democracy essentially in some form or another. And the books take that more interesting directions than you know that kind of simple storyline. But you know what you're yeah you know striving you know toward. what it's about you know what it's about. Whereas with uh, and, and even for Twilight, like it, as aimless as some of those later books get, it is still you know the point is it's the, it's the, the, the love, love story, story. Yeah, yeah like that's that's what you're there for whereas with this one it's you're never really sure like like i said the end of the second book i have no idea yeah. where like what, we're, what are we here what are for? we doing like where are we going i have no i have no idea in a way that is not and I, it is interesting in its own way in the sense of like what the hell are you gonna do with this but not like like if i weren't reading it it's interesting because i'm reading it for the podcast if i weren't reading it for the podcast i'd probably just stop i'd be like yeah. what i don't why do I care? Right. I don't even know what. Well, and I, I think part of it is that that can be really interesting in a way that's kind of like a roller coaster where you're like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. Am I going to go over a hill? Am I going to go in a loop? I don't yeah. know what's coming next. And that can be really fun. But if it's not quality work, it's 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 not fun and interesting. It's just kind of... um upsetting meandering and tedious <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah no i i yeah i 100 agree yeah it just yeah you don't necessarily have to have like a perfect like obvious trajectory for your story but if you don't have that and when i say obvious trajectory for your story i just mean identifiable like the reader knows yeah. what the trajectory of the story is and there are twists and turns or whatever like in the hunger games but they know the trajectory of the story if you're not going to have a concrete like identifiable point of that you're driving towards in your story then your story needs to be really good like the actual moment to moment writing in your story and the world building needs to be really good to carry that through yeah like i I, and i I have not read like the game of thrones books but something like i'm sure there's tons of fantasy series out there that are very kind of meandery and like i don't want to say directionless but that are more that are that that don't have as obvious and clear of like a journey that, that we're going on, but if they're written well, it's still enjoyable to read. Yeah, no, I agree. I think if I if I can't summarize what the ultimate point of your series is in like a single sentence, it better be really fucking good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, for sure. As always, you can do us a giant favor by heading over to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Goodreads, any of those places. Give us a follow, give us a like, make sure you're seeing our stuff and commenting and interacting so we can talk about it on these prequel episodes. You can also head over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts or anywhere you're listening to the show. Drop us a little five-star rating and a review. 
Or if you want, go support us on Patreon. We appreciate that so very much. Katie, where can people watch Allegiant? Well, you can check with your local library um, or a local video rental store if you still have one. Uh, otherwise, you can stream this with a subscription to HBO Max, DirecTV, or Cinemax. Or you can rent it for around four bucks through Amazon, YouTube, Vudu, Redbox, or DirecTV. There you go. Those are the places to watch Allegiant. Uh, I'm interested to watch the movie. I'm more interested to finish the book or to read yeah. the book because uh, that actually will have an ending. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it should be, should be a wild one. I'm sure we'll have lots to say. And as we mentioned, I, I, in case it wasn't clear, we are obviously just doing one episode. It is just the yeah, whole book, the book versus the versus one movie the that movie. exists. Um, That's it. Because movie two does not exist. And I, like I said, I, I think the thing I am most interested in is to get to the end of the book and say to myself, did this need to be two movies? Yeah. Or was it truly a, a cash grab? Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And yeah. I know which one I think it's going to be. <laughs> yep. But we'll see. We shall see. That's going to do it for this prequel episode of This Film is Lit. Until next time, guys, gals, I'm Adam Pals, and everybody else. Keep reading books. Watching movies. And, and keep, keep being, being awesome. awesome.